in the backwoods of America. We have climbed the highest mountains, searched the densest forest, dragged the swamps, and scoured the prairies to find our leader, retired U.S. Marine gunny, Bud Cornwell. Great Patriots America, this is Bud Cornwell. You're on the Patriot Cause with a guest, Jack Decker. We met through a podcast connection called uh, Matt's FM or something like that, I think it is. And and uh, he's a great guy. I've uh, seen his website and things that he does. And how can you be any better looking than if you look like Santa Claus? So welcome to the show, Jack. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, I guess uh, you want me to introduce myself? Uh, yes, sir. Tell us about you. Well, I'm a U- uh, U.S. Air Force uh, vet. Um, awesome. Pre- Thank you for your service. I participated in uh, during the quote-unquote peace time, but it was during way back during the Reagan era. Uh, if you remember a little, a little incident called Grenada. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I was stationed in Charleston, South Carolina, and that's where it's, uh, Charleston, South Carolina is uh, one of the major MAC bases, which is Military Airlift Command. And um, that's where the invasion was run out of. Um, I did not get down to Grenada because um, they only wanted volunteers, and they said that you had to be in your position at least six months before they're going to send you into a combat zone crazy as that thought might be that you might want to send down people who know their job as opposed to learning their job and then learning in the combat <laughs> zone. Exactly. Five months. I was one month. Oh, wow. From getting down there. Everyone that went down there, of course, got, got um, the campaign ribbon. And if you get a campaign ribbon, you're basically guaranteed a promotion, especially if you're in the combat zone, which is you're, if you get a combat zone ribbon, uh, you're guaranteed a promotion. Your next promotion is, I've never heard of someone being in a combat zone unless they had you know, disciplinary action against them. Uh, they didn't get their next promotion. Um, I have an older brother who retired as the chief master sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. And uh, he was a, he was a survival inspector, was survival inspector of the year. But then it came to he needed to get promotions. And, well, contrary to the common belief, survival instructors don't teach survival training out in the combat zone. So he quit survival, became an airload, um, a loadmaster, mm-hmm. just so he could fly into and out of combat zones. And they would literally fly <laughs> in the and, and by regulation, you had to set physical foot on the land. And the first time he flew in, he was the low master, so he was more concerned about the load. And so he was making sure it all gets off, et cetera. And the captain came down and says, have you stepped onto the air, the, the tarmac? No, step onto the tarmac so you can get, so you can record that you've been in the combat zone. So you, you got down the, the little ladder, stepped on it. Okay, we see you. Now we can, now they can write it down. That's how he got his first uh, combat <laughs> Because if you don't step on it, it's not right. Because your plane lands on it does not mean you get a, uh, I guess, right. an Air Force that uh, um, qualifies as a combat zone. So you physically have to step on it. 
And so that's what he always remembered to do. Whenever he flew into a combat zone, just always just go down and step down. And so all his um, ranks uh, above, I think it was Staff Sergeant, were every time was combat zone. And he was, I mean, when he first got in there, he he lied, cheated, called in favors, gave the IOUs to try to get down to Panama. When that was going on, couldn't get down at August. So, so pissed. Um, but all the rest of it, he was in um, Iraq 1, Iraq 2. He was over in Afghanistan. And and all everyone, every time he got into a combat zone, guaranteed his next promotion. And he, that's how he, and he, yeah. Eventually left that, became a recruiter, and then he went back to survival, and, and he's there now. Um, he was, I don't know if you know the, the, the revolving door between military and civilian service, yeah. but um, probably shouldn't say what he does in survival. He does something in survival that is, he does something in survival. Mm-hmm. And so on Friday, he was a chief master sergeant, left, came back Monday as a civil servant, yeah but here's the thing just like all the uh, vets that he hated coming back to civil service because he no longer had rank no one had to follow his orders there was our benefits and he wasn't part of the bullshit anyways i only i only served in one stint um i i went there to get beat wow veterans assistance program Mm -hmm. uh veterans education assistance program that was what it was at my time there's like GI Bill at our time. We call it like different things, but essentially. And so um, I went to college, and I, I always knew I was going to want to be a marketer since very young. So I went and got a degree, a bachelor's degree in uh, psychology with an emphasis in uh, social psychology, uh, with um, a minor in business administration, emphasis marketing. Would have had a double major, but I waited to last three months to get my accounting courses and I first accounting courses uh, with a jerk and whatever. So anyways, I graduated that. Um, I then became a marketer for 30 years. Um, often, I mean, not all the time. I was involved in relationships or I was making sacrifices for those relationships. And, um, but my specialty was, um, I was a person behind the throne. Um, we had CEOs that, um, they give you your marketing, give you their marketing plan. You would evaluate them, then you meet privately with them, and then you tell them, you know, CEOs typically are that are not from marketing can't read a marketing plan. So um, that's where my role came in. I would they would have their internal marketing department or an outside marketing firm give them a marketing plan, and then they give it to me. I review it, mark it all up. <laughs> we go to a little hotel and nowhere so no one would see them talking to me. And I walk them through the marketing plan. So then they can come back and, oh, they look like they know everything about marketing. You know, they're big shot. <laughs> um, and I, another specialty I had was the barter, uh, the barter specialist. Um, I figured out a way to do that legally. Um, but as soon as you bring in taxation, it destroys barter. Sure. And so it's always a side gig for me. I mainly use it to turn um, favors for businesses I knew that were clients. Um, I turn on several failing businesses with barter alone. Um, if you ever hear of a donut shop that's going that's going out of business, that is an idiot. You can just walk up to them and say you are an idiot because they are the perfect business for barter. I've turned around in my 
lifetime I turned on, I think, seven donut shops. So anyways, um, I did that for 30 years. And I don't know if you've ever done something for 30 years, but I want to change the pace. No, no midlife crisis. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me give you an example, <laughs> what you don't know about me. Okay. I was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. Oh, I was okay. uh, tank my tanker first three years. Then I went to aviation electronics. I went to Somalia in 1993. Air Force saved our butts mo many times. I appreciate that. Absolutely. That's where I found out that all of us have a mission together. <laughs> and we as we work good together, and we do to solve it. So from there, I became a government contractor after I retired. And then oh, government <laughs> and then a government civilian. I was a GS-14. And uh, I worked for the VA as a chief information officer, and I just got enough of it, and I walked off the job. No pension, no nothing. Wow. Left the government, left it all. I got so sick of it. Anyway, so I just thought that would like, you know, that'd be like, yeah, there you go. I'll, everything you said, I knew about it. <laughs> when I did my first stint in the military, um, it, it was, a, well, it's a very regimented, you know, it's a very regimented society. And um, it's not for everyone. And my plan was to go um, to college, then return as and become an officer. Okay. Um, then I found out uh, I knew the re local recruiter, and I said, "Just out to you, you know, how much does officers that you know marketing officers in the military make?" And he told me, "He said, what? You, you're kidding me, right?" <laughs> and he's like. Well, it is the government. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> when he told me the salary range for being a marketer in the military, mm -hmm. it's just like, that's as an officer. And he was, and he even told me, well, I'm actually giving the, the captain's uh, salary. And I was like, that's beginning salary in marketing. And he uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just, you know, and so if you look at now, they have transsexuals recruiting soldiers. I mean, did the village people make you want to join the Navy? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, the, you know, the, the village people song in the Navy. Yeah, in the Navy. Yeah. You know, that was actually commissioned by the Navy. They were going to use that to recruit soldiers. Well, it probably works pretty good now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Any, I, I, I know young guys, and they're not even considerate. They're just like, it's a, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just a joke. Well, the thing about it is, is Obama was, they were talking about bringing the draft, and they're not joking. The only, the only service that I know of, seriously, and I can show you the numbers, the Marine Corps is the only one that has been making their quotas for the last three years. Well, it's, I know in the know. Air Force, okay, there's a, there's a, okay, in the Air Force, um, if you have any job that's worth anything, you have to mm -hmm. sign a six-year contract. Yeah. Because they know at the end of it, you're never coming back. That's right. Okay. When, when I was in the service, which is in the 80s, mm -hmm. there was a guy in my barracks who was coming to the end of his first tour duty and it was six years, and he was a computer repairman, okay? First sergeant comes in, 
And, it's, and we're all laughing because I'm, he already has put out all the job offers he has on his mm-hmm. little coffee table. And the our first sergeant says, well, I'm required to make the attempt. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, well, what can you offer me? Uh, a promotion? By one rank? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then he showed him the best offer he has. And he showed it to him. He says, well, I can tell you this. Division commander doesn't make that much money. <laughs> so they're all gone. I have a cousin who was trained as a gen engine mechanic in the Air Force. Okay. Six-year term. Never came back. Went right in, run, went right with one of the airlines. Um, I don't know. It, it, well, take me, for example. I was thinking about coming in and being a marketer for the Air Force. Mm-hmm. But when they showed me what the salaries was, and I was already looking at what I, I was already making that money as a senior in college, doing odd jobs for CEOs, critiquing their marketing plans, right. part time. And it says, how can you know? And some say, well, it's patriot, patriot. Well, patriotism doesn't put food on the table. You know, there's a point where you you got to look out for your future. You know. Oh yeah, um, you got to put some. The, the, you know, I don't have any complaints about the VA. I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take advantage of it for twenty years after I left the military. Right, I, I didn't, didn't think I was. Yeah, I didn't even think I was eligible for it because I only did one stint. Okay, right. I didn't think. I thought you know I thought that was for like you retirees. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was I was I don't know where I was some a dog show something silly like that. And there was these all these people of American Legion, and I found out I was qualified for American Legion because of Grenada. And then they said, so you know, they just the VA was brought up, and I said, well, you know, it must be nice for you guys. And they're like, oh, what? Um, you do know you qualify for? It's like, what? Did you put it in two years? Well, yeah, you qualify for the VA. And then I went down and and I looked back is. You know, um, I don't have any complaints about. I know some. Well, I came in. Okay, this tell you how bad my VA was. I was my VA was Toma. Okay, oh, yeah. the one where they had a doctor yeah. named Candyman, yeah. mm-hmm. where they had vets literally dying waiting to get in. When you went up, did you ever see the movie One Who Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest? Oh yeah, many times. Okay, that. The VA there looked like it. Like it. it wow. was spookier than shit. I went there <laughs> up like this, and I was like, and and then the fortunately the VA had a little clinic in Lacrosse, okay. And that clinic reached out to me and said, "Oh no, 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 we we're a full service clinic. Come on in." And so I had a regular doctor. So I. I I only went up there like twice and that was like to get x-rays or something like that done, you know, MRI. That's what that clinic didn't have. Um, but if, if it had been that clinic reach out, I would never, I would, I would probably not been until I was back in Madison. Um, it was just, Mass is great. I mean, Mass is VA. It's fantastic. They're, they're connected with um, uh, the university. Yeah. Um, and um, I had, kidney stones and um when it came for surgery time uh the va surgeon wasn't available so the head of surgery for the university of madison 
came in and did my surgery. That's how yeah. intertwined they are. And everyone, and now with that, what was that? The executive board signed by Trump were, you know, beforehand, well, you're, you're a vet, you know this. Mm-hmm. You used to have to, you had no choice. I had to go to Toma. That was right. it. I had no choice. And I would never gone there, except I went to the little clinic and not lacrosse. I think it was Trump that signed the executive order that we can now go anywhere. We're going to take a break with this great American trucker, Jack Decker. He's an example of millions of truckers out there providing the supplies that we need to live our lives. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of this great trucker experience. I've been working like a dog on the end of a chain Pulling 53 feet of American goods in the pouring rain Grease on my hands, dirt on my boots I put 11 long hours on a dotted line just to get home to you the red light thinking about my honey Ride across the land just to make a little money Late night over time Count down the miles to home I won't hit the brake light Sit tight baby when I'm on the road Till I can count those miles on the single end I'll be pushing pedals honey That's the plan so you know Baby, I'm coming home Baby, I'm coming Know home that I can make the run And I won't be late My truck is seen a million miles Running up and down the end of the day And I ain't at good food Over a week All I want is a kiss from my sugar pie and a good night's sleep Everybody knows that the road is full of trouble Shift it in the gear just to make it on the While double While we drive late night over time Count down the miles to home Count down the miles to home I won't hit the brake light Sit tight, baby, when I'm on the road Baby, when I'm on the road I can count those miles on the single end I'll be pushing pedals, honey, that's the plan, so you know Baby, I'm coming home Baby, I'm coming Down, down the miles to home. Down, down the miles to home. I 
Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny on the Patriot Cause. We're going to continue our discussion with a trucker, a U.S. trucker named Jack Decker. Any, any of them. Yep. You don't have to be, yeah. you don't have to use this clinic, that clinic. And that's good and because, I, yeah, I live in Alabama now, right? When I left the VA as the CIO, it was in Arkansas, Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is a big, huge liberal college town, right? Well, I live in Alabama now. And even in Birmingham, which you know where Birmingham is, the VA yeah. there is great. I mean, there's a lot of people in there, but I'm telling you, they're awesome. VA is different than it was even just 10 years ago. Whatever oh, yeah. they have oh, done yeah. has massively improved it. And oh, I think I it's just because of scandal. Time now, you know? That scandal yeah. was just unbelievable. When people found out vets were dying waiting in line yeah. to oh, get yeah. in there. How they, that. I mean, how they used to the the wheelchairs they'd line up, yeah. and vets would die trying well, to get other, into the emergency. The other part of that is when I left in 2014, I couldn't fire anybody. I proved it over and over again that these people do not do their job at all very well. Some of them just sit there and do nothing. Well, that changed because when Trump came in, he the changed he the guy and allowed them to be able to start firing freaking government employees not doing their job. Oh, the, I think the biggest change was was they untied us. Yeah. Okay? Because I I would have had to go on Toma, even though Madison was almost the same distance to me. Yeah. You know, but because it was like 10 miles longer, I had to go to Toma. Right. But when the executive, we go anywhere. I mean, if you go to Madison now, in the waiting room, there's a game that everyone plays in the waiting room. Where are you from? Because everyone flies in to Madison to have their, mm-hmm. their there's a there's a couple from Hawaii and I'm thinking oh hell I'll say to go I need a, I should go to Hawaii and they're like oh no 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 don't go to Hawaii because everyone there <laughs> doesn't give a shit about their job it's horrible they they're telling all the horror stories they're still in there but because us vets can now go around the I mean Toma right now is still sending me emails trying begging me to come back because of because now we can leave. And so now they're not having anyone coming there, and if they don't if they don't get X number of vets coming in, their budget gets shrunk. So they're now having to change. I think that's the biggest thing is they have to change. Anyway, but I'm <laughs> five years ago, either getting back a little bit more on track. Um, I became a trucker. And, oh, nice! Um, that's awesome. That is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. I went from a, a desk job, uh, you know, four walls. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just. Shit hit the fan in my life. Yeah. And it was just like, and it was 30 years ago. You know, don't want to do this forever. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being a marketer, but 30 years. And I thought, what is the absolute opposite of being a marketer? And I thought, being a trucker. I mean, I have no money concerns. Okay. Right. And so I went into being a trucker. And um, my second oldest brother, that was his, when he was young, he was a teenager. Well, that was Convoy. Remember that? The song yeah. Convoy? Okay. He wanted to be a trucker. So now my brother vicariously lives through me. 
um, as being a trucker. And I just totally enjoy it. Um, I see the country. Um, it's just, uh, it's an easy job. I listen to audiobooks all day long. Um, I don't have any boss, not really. Yeah. Um, there's such a high demand. No trucking company gives any shit to their truckers because you give any shit to us and we'll just leave because we're, I'm constantly getting emails from trucking companies trying to get me to come work for them. And yeah. every trucking company knows that. And so they're now treating truckers better. You know, there are some people that still bitch and complain, but there's always going to be someone bitching and complaining. But that's what I've been doing. And, and uh, to get why I'm on this, your, your podcast here, <laughs> long course. Um, I'm a libertarian. Mm-hmm. And um, I became that partly because of when I was in the military. That um, I always tell people, if you want to know what communism is that works, yeah. that's the military. Um, it is truly from each's ability to each's needs right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. How you score in that aptitude test determines what job you, they will offer you. Right. Now, I scored really high in that. I had tons of offers. Okay, but there's another guy in my, and I was, I did not think I was boasting. I don't, honestly, I don't, I was just talking to my fellow, you know, just like you're talking to anyone else. Hey, I got this offer. I got this offer. I got this offer. You know, which one should I do? And they're asking you to make a decision now. This is something I think the military did a really poor job of. They really should have like <laughs> a job counseling going because they're just, they give you no job counseling. Here are the jobs you have. What do you want? Well, What's the different types of jobs? And that's where I my TI. I know everyone has drill sergeants are all bad. Shit, I I, I really my TI was fantastic. He would sit down with us, and he was our job counselor. And he and he and he'd bring these big fat books back when they had books. I know I, for your younger audiences, there's these sort of like words printed on paper that you read. I I know it's a foreign concept to you, but um, he'd bring out these big ass occupational books. And he didn't go to him and he'd tell us what the jobs are. And um, I had all these options, but if you didn't score well in the aptitude test, you know, the last, if you score really poorly, you know, the last job is on the aptitude test in the U.S. Air Force. Uh-huh. M16 out in the field. <laughs> secured. I didn't, yeah, security. security. I was say, yeah. I, I bet a lot of Air Force people going, wait a minute, I, I'm not. I'm in the Air Force, yeah. not in the Army. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's really pathetic because almost all your bases are in America. Right. There are literally, I was in Charleston Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And I, when you come on in, you have the security guards, the ones at the gates, I want because they actually get to do something. But there are literally soldiers staying out in the field waiting for the Russians to attack Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, the I'm honest guy, I always thought the suicide rate with them must be phenomenal. I sure. mean, just like all day long. I mean, nowadays you can get earbuds, maybe listen to something, but back back in the 80s, maybe you get a little walk, man. That's about it. Yeah. That I used, round. I used the uh the example of a deer hunter, right? So for instance, a deer hunter, what they'll do is they'll get up early in the morning, they'll go get in their tree stand. And then about nine, 10 o'clock at the latest, they'll get down and come home, right? Well, see, these guys are deer hunters, but they have no time frame. So they're out there all day long waiting for the deer 
and they never the deer, ever see them. See the deer. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Never. Yeah. I mean, never like see I, what I mean by deer. They they don't see no enemy. They're out there no all enemy. day. No, that no would drive one. me insane. That would drive me insane. <laughs> because I mean, you've been on military. But some people don't understand this about military bases. Military bases are not part of your state. They're no. federal land. They are okay. Absolutely. They have they have fences on there, and those fences are not symbolic. Okay, the so barbed wire on top is razor, and it's for raisin. <laughs> yeah, so you have, and some of them like were because it was a Mac base. We had the triple fence. Okay, two outer ones, one inner one. The inner one was electrified. Yeah. Okay, what civilian? How drunk would you have to be? First of all, how would you get over the fence? Because all the the outfacing ones, the barbs are. You know, yeah. facing outward, so you have to somehow climb up and over razor barbed wire. Then you have an electric fence, and all the and they have we have sensors all on the ground, so anyone that steps on it, I mean, the the security. You know what their job really is? The ones that are on the flight line, they at least get to shoot, yeah. because they will kill any bird that flies in that in that area. Or, sure. or wow. PR wise, they'll use noisemakers to make them fly away. But <laughs> the other thing about the, to, yeah, the other thing about the, the noisemakers have to just look like an M16, yeah. you know, but it's a noise. <laughs> exactly. Maker. The, the other thing, Jack, is this. And, I always thought, especially because I was in aviation, so I know what you're talking about. The aviation part of the Marine bases always had these big fences to keep people, right? But when I first got into aviation, I was seeing all those fences around there. I'm going, are you sure those ain't to keep us in? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I was and, like, and the thing is, they call like, it noise makers. You have to do security guys, to come security in security guards and security to come out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the joke in the Air Force is that they those the, the M-16s are noise makers because the security guards can't hit anything. So, I mean, they'll oh, aim at it and they'll make the sound <laughs> and it goes off. You know, but, but because if you if, uh, like a goose goes into a jet engine, um, you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars of repairs, if not replacing them. Uh, when we had when we had Grenada, uh, when that operation was going in, we had um, hundred flights going in and out combined um, every hour. So the flight line was truly active. Everything was in motion. No engines were shut down. They they we slightly bent rules. They would fuel up jets the cargo jets and they wouldn't even shut off the engines while they're refueling them and we'd be loading them on up all the rules went out the window you know when we were in peacetime oh we we had to have little stop signs we had to stop there oh we have this yellow line we have to follow this yellow line i was traffic three um air terminal operation uh command but just kind of like the air air con traffic control for the flight line so we we ran all the air car all the car going in and out and i was this little guy i was the most powerful guy little, little airman yeah powerful guy because my word i i represented atac which was way up on top of the inbound outbound um building gigantic building and i way up on top you see this little tiny glass enclosed building that was atac because every so often they'd have to go out to railing and get out the binoculars and see where did that plane park itself you know um, but I had this little tiny blue truck, little dots and little little tiny blue truck, buzzing a little round, little airman, and and basically they they could not 
uh, in, uh, inbound couldn't step on board the plane until I came on board and signed for it. Okay. But I didn't sign for it. I didn't inspect anything. Okay. I'm an airman. I barely know what's going on. I wait until the staff sergeant who's in charge of inbound, he then follows me on board and him and there's two young airmen. Okay. We call them monkeys. Okay. And they like monkeys, they crawl all over the, the cargo, calling out what they see, et cetera. And the, well, the sergeant's kicking it off. And then he comes back to me and says, yeah, we got everything on here. Then, then I sign. Now we take control. But if they missed anything, oh, I, what happened was, sorry, I can't sign. And then basically my, technical sergeant would come out and go okay because something should be here that sh that's not here you know and as always it was their crew members never stole anything i mean this is just you know but it was some snafu some inventory that they said was on there wasn't anyways but i, I think, learned um, you know yeah i think I, i'm i'm excited to know that you're a trucker because i think you might be the third one i've ever met in my life believe it or not oh really but what the reason I, I'm excited about that is I know you have a podcast. I know you're, you know, kind of taking. Well, up I don't a have podcast. Oh, you don't? I thought I thought you did, but no, no, no. I I'm so, I'm just promoting this idea. I'm well, just that's well, all that's, I'm doing. Okay, so so you have a website, I think, right? Yeah, I have I have a website just that basically just has the the amendment on it. I haven't okay. really developed it. I, I'm I'm here right now. I'm if, if you look here, I'm in a hotel room. Right. Um, I'll make a very long story short. Basically, I was a truck driver for Dr. Pepper, and a car ran me over, hmm. and it, it shattered my left elbow. And surgery happened. I lost one of my two joints in my arm. I mean, I, um, and but then the, the surgery, I had constant pain, and I was taking like thirty pounds a day. Um, by the way, anyone takes 30 Tylenol today, uh, just to let you know, my doctor says that's not too good for your uh, liver. Just, oh, no. just FYI. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He then told me to come, to tone it down as much as I can. Okay. And so I, so I basically was doing three every four hours and he even said that was too much, but as, he said as much as you can endure the pain, because you got to reduce down this so, so you can save your kidney. But anyways, they they eventually had um, uh, I went in surgery here. I'm in Iowa City right now. Um, I'm a trucker that lives in this truck. Um, I'm called a nomad trucker. Um, a nomads are guys that live in their truck. I have a sleeper unit. I'm a I'm I bunk. Um, sometimes they come with refrigerator. Sometimes they don't. Uh, closet storage, all this type of stuff. Um, Last year, um, I don't want to get into it a lot, but last year my girlfriend died. Uh, she stood up and she had a heart attack. And um, I couldn't, um, I couldn't yeah, uh, live in the place. I, I walked, I went, I was planning, I came back, they called me while I'm on the work. Oh my God, that was what a horrible day. Um, but I was planning to stay in the in her home, and I paid for the home. Um, and um, when I entered, I couldn't I couldn't even sit down. It was really weird. I'm 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 an atheist. Okay, I don't believe anything, but 
I've never, and I've been in the military and very, well, you've probably been in places where you really wonder. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah. But um, I've never been in such a dead building in my life. Mm. Um, it was, she was gone. And it was just yeah. like, it was like, it was, it was dead. This was yeah, like the apartment that you guys lived in or a house or something? No, a house. It was a house. She had yeah. a house. And um, I helped her on out. She was 10 years older than me. Um, uh, and I made really good money. And so, I mean, I, I paid for everything. She was on Social Security by that time, so they didn't pay shit. And mm-hmm. so I took care of the mortgage. I took care of all the groceries. I took care of everything. She needed something I get for her. Um, I paid off her mortgage. Um but it just came the funeral time. The her two sons, you know, asked me if I wanted to have the house. I says no. I didn't view her as a as an insurance policy, right? Um, and it says you just have it. Fortunately, her youngest son is now living in it, and I know that was that she Becky would have been so happy that her oh, son yeah. was living in her house. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, but then I looked at it going, okay, I'm I don't have any kids. I dodged the bullet twice <laughs> for marriage. <laughs> and I came close, man. I, 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 I could feel that bullet go crazy by myself. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God, I'm glad I missed that one. And I died to the number one. I go, oh, my God. Because I, oh, boy. Um, so I don't have any kids. Um, and so I was just like, I just live in the truck. And so, um, I have I don't have a car, a motorcycle, nothing. Um and what turns out to be is my only bill is my cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. In other words, my money that I come in, except for the money I spend on food, which I don't eat yeah. a lot, is all banked. Yeah. You know? And um I made I made good money. Um I don't care if you know, I made ninety two thousand last year. That's pretty good um, as a truck driver. Yeah, and and when and I had no bills, no, a, yeah. no mortgage or apartment, no utilities, yeah. no anything. I mean, it just I I pay my and my and my company. I don't think I'll name who they are because they they don't like, <laughs> um, but they even chip in towards my cell phone bill because I have apps on them that I use for my for right. my job, and so basically I, I just bank my money all the time. That's you awesome. Know? And because I was living in my truck, <laughs> when I had to have this surgery, my lawyers, um, we won a ca- we won a case against the workers' comp place that they had to pay for my hotel room. Because the only reason I'm in this hotel room is because of the surgery. And, I'm only, and now I'm only in because of recovery. Uh, I had some temp- hopefully temporary nerve damage to the left arm. Um, just I can't do this, this, yeah. or this. But anyways, um well Jack, um we we're, we're just we're, about, yeah, of course. Of, yeah, we're oh. just about out of time here. I mean hey, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. You got some great stories. Here's what Dude, I, I, like I, to meant to, I meant to pitch right. them my idea, but here's okay. what I would like to do if you want to, right? Yeah. Um uh, obviously you got a cell phone. I don't know if you have like a, a place on your truck where your cell phone sits up or not, but well, I'm not in my truck. I had to turn in my truck. No, I know, but what I'm saying oh. is what I would like to do is arrange with you where we're doing a podcast 
while you're mm-hmm. going down the road in your truck. Now you don't have to look at the phone. You can just, you know, pay attention to whatever, well, you know, but that <laughs> would be awesome. If not, I get it. understand. But I think well, you should have a podcast. I would have to, from I would truck. have to, <laughs> um, you could do just audio. You can do just an audio. Well, podcast. You see, I, well, the company I work for, uh, technically we're not even supposed to have headsets audio? on. Oh yeah, wow! We're not even. Okay. We're not even. Okay. Technically, no one. No one. I, I'm not leaving the company, so no, no one. No, I understand. Everyone, the trainer, he yeah. uses his headset all day long. Everyone, yeah. but technically, when we come into our terminal, we're supposed to take off our headset and just toss it on the seat, so no one sees us. Right. But everyone, my dispatcher, his manager, yeah, everyone knows we all do it. So we we play this little game that we're not doing it. But everyone right. knows you do it. But I but can't. See, this is. They, let me. Sh- let me. They would show know. You, this. you know. You. Right. I, I. I. know what you're talking about, and I've thought about. But can you see this? Oh yeah. All right. This is neat because what it is is it sits on on your bone here, but your ears are open, so you can hear what's going on plus what's coming out of the headset. You don't. You're not well, covered up. This is perfect man. for a trucker. Perfect. Well. I use for, this in my car. For a trucker, for a lot of um, states, you you a trucker cannot cover both ears. So right. if you ever see a, if you ever see a trucker, yeah, have, have one side with a microphone, one. and yeah. it's always it was always on the ear that is next to the road, so you don't get as much noise in your ear. Um, but I I couldn't they wouldn't I couldn't I, I like it sounds a great idea, but with my company, I couldn't get away with it because as soon as they see that I'm doing that. Um, right, it's a liability issue for them, you know. Okay. And now they they're even installing cameras supposedly in our in our cabs. Yeah, um, that's I don't like that at all. That's no, no, just... I I'll very likely be leaving the company. I'll go back to them. Um, um, but I mean, I've been I've been on medical leave since January third. Oh wow! So yeah, and, and I still sure, got six to nine yeah. months, six to nine months to go. Well, I hope um, you're, uh, you're get you're, you get better quick. So, but Jack, we got to go. Uh, I want to get right. you back and talk more about the amendment and you know your. I appreciate how, that. Sorry for going yeah, off track on that. No, that's right. <laughs> how you come up with it and everything. So, but I I I, I love this discussion, especially between military. We always like to talk about what we oh, do. Always bullshit. So, always chewing but, the fat. Yeah, but I I will definitely have you back. Take care of yourself, brother, and stay in touch. You got my email address and everything. So. Let yep. me know how you're doing, oh. and, and we'll get you back on the show. Okay. I appreciate that. All right. All thank right, you. <laughs> Talk Take to care. you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Wish the buck was still silver And it was back when the country was strong Back before Elvis, before the Vietnam War came along Before the Beatles and yesterday When a man could still work and still would 
The best of the free life behind us now The good time's really over for good I wish Coke was still cola And a joint was a bad place to be It was back before Nixon lied to us all on TV. Before microwave ovens, when a girl could still cook and still wood. It's the best of the free life behind us now. The good time really over for good I'll be rolling down a hill like a snowball headed for hell With no kind of chance for the flag or the liberty bell I wish a Ford and a Chevy would still last 10 years like they should. The best of the free life behind us now. The good time's really over for good. Let's make a Ford and a ship that would still last ten years like the should. Cause the best of the free life is still yet to come. The good times ain't over for good.